Welcome everyone to today's webinar on importance of good sleep in COVID-19 times. I'm Venkat and I'll be your host for the session. Glad to see audiences joining fresh and early from the USA, from India, maybe after some chai and charcha, and at evening time here in Singapore. Not to forget our friends from Australia who are joining to hear about the sleep just before they retire for the, for the day. The global coronavirus pandemic has caused uncertainty at various levels in our lives. Over the last four months or more, from shortages for essential items, groceries, to going to office, to the future of our jobs, our income, there are uncertainties about every walk of our lives. The shortages caused a price increase, then restoration of supplies leading to a price fall. And all these, both of these resulting in volatility in prices. Many of us would have stocks of high price sanitizers and masks maybe. Children, parents, grandparents, all had to learn new ways to study, to work, even to engage with the doctor or postpone surgeries and still manage. And the list is endless. All these have introduced unprecedented levels of complexity in our lives. In any given time, just one of these, uncertainty, complexity, or volatility, is enough to disturb our equilibrium. On top of these, we were forced into social withdrawal and isolation because of this pandemic. Now, all these have combined together and are having impacts that many of us have never experienced before. When external pressure disrupts our equilibrium, it causes stress. And it is well known that stress often causes symptoms such as confusion, irritability, anger, tension, body ache, fatigue, and sleep problems. To manage stress induced in these times, we need to be most alert, for which we need to be well rested that a good sleep provides. To understand the importance of sleep in the current uncertain and stressful times, we have with us today, Dr. Sanjay Manchanda, Chairman and Senior Consultant, Department of Sleep Medicine, Sir Gangaram Hospital, New Delhi. He is the first in India to start sleep medicine as an independent department in a hospital. We have shared his illustrious profile with all of you, so I'll not repeat that. But what struck me was that in his practice of sleep medicine for the last 24 years, he has done more than 23,000 sleep medicines, sleep studies, sorry. Welcome, Dr. Manchanda, over to you. Thank you, thank you, Venkat. Uh, well, uh, at the outset, uh, I would like to thank uh, Mr. Medan Koja and uh, Mr. Venkat 
to organize this webinar on sleep in COVID-19 pandemic times. The last five uh, months have turned our world upside down. And I think there's no one in the world at the present, uh, in the present scenario has witnessed what we all are seeing and witnessing at this particular time. With heightened amount of anxiety, fear, vulnerability, stress, and frustration all encapsulated into one. Our roaring apple cart has not only been put to a grinding stop, it has in fact been pushed in a reverse order. When Mr. Venkat and uh, Mr. Oja asked me to uh, say, take a talk on this particular issue, I thought it was a cakewalk for me, it is okay, it's fine. Little realizing that I will not be talking to my medical fraternity and rather I'll be talking to a non-medical elites. So I had to de-learn a lot and relearn a lot to avoid putting a lot of medical jargon or medical complicated words. So I've tried to avoid that so that we can just go on with the show and maybe it is of some information to you. Now starting from here, let's first define what is sleep. Sleep, it is the natural periodic suspension of consciousness during which the powers of the body are restored, effective and simple. Well, before anybody else, it was basically Shakespeare who was a great observant of sleep and in all his novels and all his plays, he has given vivid, uh, say, descriptions of all the kind of sleep disorders. And there was one quote of his that, and sleep that sometimes shuts up sorrow's eye, steal me away from my own company. So you need to dissociate yourself from yourself because the thing is today we are having immense amount of pressure on us. So let's just move on from there. Sleep, uh, sleep basically is still an enigma. After thousands and thousands of years, it is still an enigma. And one uh, basic example is that only in last 50 years, we started basically studying about sleep. But its importance cannot be underestimated. And I think best described by Rashafin that if sleep does not perform an absolutely vital function, then perhaps it is the biggest mistake of the evolutionary process has ever made. Taking away one third of our lives for nothing. And I hope that is not so true. And we all will agree with it. We do need sleep to recoup from everything in the daytime. So the plausible functions of sleep are restoration of mental and physical functions, entering information for memory consolidation, re-establishing communication between various parts of the brain, and it's a time for the body systems to restore the energy and repair the damaged tissues. But unfortunately, uh, sleep still is not a societal and to an extent not even a medical priority. As a population, we are sleeping at least two hours less than our predecessors were doing around 100 years ago. Probably that can be related to the development of artificial light. So God has and nature had given us very clear demarcation, the day for working and night for resting. But today we have a 24 hours day and the line is getting thinner and thinner. So is the safety margin. So we essentially are a sleep deprived society. And this is becoming worse with the present pandemic because of the immense amount of stress, pressure, and all the kind of negative feelings that are there. So there was a wonderful quote that you can fight many enemies and win, but if you try to fight your biology, you are likely to lose. So we are fighting a losing battle as far as sleep is concerned. We are not talking of pandemic because there we have to have our hopes alive 
We have crossed these things earlier and we will, God willing, do it again. Now, a lot of people, they ask me a question that, uh, what is the adequate amount of sleep? There is no fixed value for that. It basically rests on three basic premises. One is the duration, timing, and the quality of sleep all put together. Duration means that people can have various kind of, uh, say, sleep uh, duration requirements, which could last from, say, six hours to nine hours in different people. But at the same time, it is very, very important the timing of the sleep. That is the regularity with which we go to the sleep. If we are having erratic kind of, uh, say, a work culture, or for that matter, our lifestyles, the brain and the centers which basically regulate sleep, they get confused. And as a result, there is a problem of sleep deprivation, undersleeping, and not having a good quality of sleep. And finally, the quality of sleep. Quality of sleep is basically divided, the sleep is divided in various, say, kind of modules, uh, as we call them a sleep architecture. So where we have the awake phase, we have the light sleep, we have the deep sleep, and we have the dreamy sleep. They have all been allocated certain amount of percentages and they have a cyclical pattern. If any of these things is not into the right domain, then we are likely to suffer. So even if we are having a quality of sleep, uh, which is not good and we are having a good duration of sleep, it may still not be a restful sleep. Similarly with the timing of the sleep. So any of the three pillars, if they are destroyed, the total sleep will be wrecked. It will be interesting for you to know that there are more than 80 sleep disorders, but we are not here to discuss them. We are basically going to focus on basically good quality of sleep that is required. And the major premise that will be discussed will be the immunity level of the patients that are getting affected because of sleep. So there's a huge kind of a initial studies that have been done on various other viral infections in the past including HIVs, including uh, polios, including herpes or varicella disaster, including the SARS, including uh, the influenza virus. And there has been a lot of study uh, which has the proof that sleep does affect the, uh, say, the ailments, their, uh, say, severity, and as well as that how much a person can ward it off. It all depends upon the immunity of the person. So this has got a strange kind of a love-hate relationship, the viral infections and sleep. Viruses cause many diseases, including pandemics, such as influenza and HIV. Generally, they are accompanied with sleep disturbances, fatigue and fever. The genetics is important, both of the strain of the virus as well as the individual who is suffering. So an individual who has got a stronger kind of an immunity system will ward off the say these infections much more easily than the person who is more susceptible. And the same is true for the virus strain. There could be milder strains and there could be severer strains. So what kind of strain is affecting you? That is also important. The effect of influenza virus on sleep patterns and their alterations have been studied extensively. Even polio virus, when it came in a huge bulk, it affects the central nervous system. The human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, has effects on central nervous system and more significantly, it is, the, it is the most significant pandemic before this pandemic and patients experience fatigue and sleep disorders in the asymptomatic stage, that is in the early stages. So when you're not having very, uh, say, uh, say, when you're not very symptomatic with HIV, the sleep loss starts as an early symptom or uh, an early call. Early sleep disorder HIV shows that infected patients have reported altered sleep uh, 
organization and sleep fragmentation. Similarly, with varicella zoster, which causes herpes zoster and hepatitis C virus, it showed that it has got an ill effect on the psychiatric disorders as well as sleep disturbances. 60% of the patients with chronic hepatitis C develop psychiatric disorders, including sleep disturbances. So essentially, basically sleep deprivation and COVID-19 share a bi-directional relationship, which is feeding each other like a vicious circle. Sleep disorders and sleep deprivation leads to poor immunity, exposing you and making you more vulnerable to COVID-19. On the other hand, COVID-19 may lead to sleep fragmentation and deprivation because of increased amount of stress. And as a result, it keeps on augmenting each other. The role of sleep deprivation in immunity. Sleep and sleep cycles, they exert a, a strong regulatory influence on immunodeficiency, immune functions. Sleep cycles have shown that immune parameters like undifferentiated T cells, which are the protective cells and have the capacity to become the killer cells and pro-inflammatory cytokines, they exhibit peak during the early nocturnal hours. That is, the raw material is prepared in the sleep and the final material goes into the daytime. That is the immediate effector functions like cytotoxic natural killer cells and anti-inflammatory cytokine activity peak during the daytimes. So we are manufacturing the raw material for this particular kind of uh, immunity in the sleep and expressing it during the day. So there's a specific role of formation of immunological memory. Basically, it is like once this is formed, there is a memory portion into the immunological system to understand that, okay, this is our enemy and we have to fight it with this kind of force. So this recognition is basically the uh, basis of convalescent plasma therapy, like a person who has had COVID-19 has recovered from it. His plasma is having antibodies against this particular disease. So with the same group of the plasma, it can be transfused into another person who is having uh, the active disease. But this is all still in experimental stage. And same is true with the vaccination because they have a memory to fight this organism. The chronic sleep loss is not only associated with increased uh, inflammatory markers, it is also associated with immunodeficiency. So it is a double whammy. The immune response to influenza virus diminished after six days of restricted sleep. As a vaccination, even if you are undersleeping, then your uh, immune response would get basically, uh, say, diluted. So there is an evidence that enhanced susceptibility to the cold with the poor efficiency and poor fragmentation is there. Now, to summarize this particular portion of uh, this thing in uh, immune, immunology or immunity to the disease, uh, but this word will keep on featuring in the whole of presentation because essentially this is the only thing which is being marked by sleep. The chronic sleep deprivation results in enhanced risk for persistent low-grade systemic inflammation. That is, it is capable of causing a low-grade inflammation which is going on and also manifests immunodeficiency, making you more susceptible to the infections and both have detrimental effects on health. Now, a full night's sleep could be a best defense against COVID-19. This is especially in relevance to the current concerns about spread of COVID-19. Recent evidences suggest that sleep is also important for healthy immune function and ability to fight off the infection. So sleep is an ammunition for the brain. It is the internal body armor that helps you fight some viruses and diseases. There is a study which was recently conducted, uh, not very too very far off. Volunteers without previous exposure 
to the common cold were exposed to live samples of virus. It was found that sleep duration was a better predictor, even better than the age and the stress level of the person to show that who will fall sick. So those who habitually slept less were more likely to fall ill with the cold virus. And in total, uh, say, number of hours, if we gauge, the people who had less than seven hours of sleep had threefold, that is 300% time greater risk of infection, which climbed up to 4.5, that is 450 times higher risk in those who slept for less than five hours. Perhaps the most surprising, it was that it was found that six months after receiving uh, hepatitis B vaccine, individuals who slept fewer than six hours on a night prior to the vaccination were at significant risk of being underprotected or unprotected. So this is the kind of, uh, say, the previous researches have shown and uh, well, that we can extrapolate this to the COVID-19 as well, because it's a whole series of uh, say viral diseases which have behaved like this. There is now limited but exciting evidence from animal studies that suggesting that sleep not only helps you protect against the internal in, uh, initial infection, it also plays a direct role in aiding recovery from infectious uh, illness. Can stress, loneliness, and sleep deprivation make you prone to COVID-19? Now, this is a very catchy kind of a situation because today loneliness has become a part of the therapeutic module or the preventive module with people locked down in their homes, with people confined to certain zones. The thing is loneliness is, and especially if somebody is totally alone, this is something which has to be there. So now the thing is, this can increase the stress so many people with COVID-19 pandemic has caused stress levels to spike. And some of them have difficulty sleeping. Many of us are struggling with the feeling of isolation and loneliness. Stress, loneliness and lack of sleep can all weaken the immune system and making you more vulnerable to the disease such as COVID-19. So that is a strange kind of a thing that this is the prescription and this can lead to the disease itself. So in, if chronically stressed, the inflammatory response becomes overactivated, which in turn can trigger the disease itself. But having said that, the thing is, it is important to follow these guidelines for not having a direct contagiosity, but at the same time, we have to develop certain newer passions, certain newer kind of things, being in contact with our dears and nears through our electronic devices so that the level of the stress and the loneliness can be decreased. So, other things are that high level of inflammation are caused by overburdened immune system and that cannot properly defend the, against the diseases. Overactivation of inflammatory response in the lungs turn into pneumonia, which is basically followed after the cytokine storm, as has been mentioned, and especially leading on to ARDS, that is adult respiratory distress syndrome, where this is almost a terminal kind of a condition. More large number of patients who have gone onto the ventilators and uh, a good number have perished over there. Because, uh, and we should try that this should not reach this particular state. So isolation, when people are lonely, isolated, or simply perceive that they have less support than others, and they'll experience higher level of chronic physiological stress. Now this body of research make our current pandemic even more confounding. So again, re-emphasizing that we need to share ourselves with our nears and dears, people who have a positive frame of mind, we should talk to them. We have, today have got the devices where like Skype, you have your uh, 
say WhatsApp uh, video calls, you have other kind of video calls. So be in touch with them, discuss with them, do something which is say, you know, heartening and meet the positive people that will help in a long way. Now, it is recommended to stay in touch. I've already said that 2016 uh, JAMA is an international journal that is Journal of American Medical Association and found that getting insufficient sleep as well as having a sleep disorder or simply uh, tossing and turning too much was associated with greater likelihood of getting cold or respiratory infection. So the features of most of these respiratory uh, viruses, influenza, SARS, they are same and they are affecting in the same manner except that in this particular case that contagiosity is very high though the death rate eventually may not be uh, very different from others but it has got great amount of morbidity and fear attached to it today if you miss your sleep you gain these things that is all the wrong things let us see what are we gaining by missing the sleep obesity staying up late upsets uh, uh, late upsets the balance of hormones which regulate appetite and induce the food craving making you reach for the snack at the dead end of the night and you know what is the rest you gain weight diabetes going without sleep affects the body's ability to manage glucose this along with obesity can increase the risk of diabetes high blood pressure lack of sleep can impact body's ability to regulate stress hormones leading to high blood pressure in a long run heart disease people who do not get enough sleep have more stress hormones in their bodies which can be disastrous to the heart over a period of time and if you remember the guidelines from cdc people who are more vulnerable are obese diabetics hypertensives and heart disease so if you are sleeping less you are augmenting all these features a good night's sleep can possibly if not finished it can at least have a decreased effect on all of these things and can basically tone them down and make you much more safer now why it is important to get a good night's sleep during covid or coronavirus outbreak can sleep help my immune system fight coronavirus ample sleep supports the immune system and thus improve the outcomes of the patients fighting with the virus on the other hand sleep deprivation weakens the body defenses and makes you more vulnerable to the contracting a virus can sleep help improve my mood and productivity during covid 19 pandemic adequate sleep can maximize your potential for having better days under these circumstances because the circumstances are not very good but at least it will help you do that optimal sleep helps regulate mood improve brain function and, incre and increase the energy and overall productivity during the day why are so many people having trouble sleeping while sheltered in a place like isolations like uh, quarantine like when you are you know locked down one is the elevated level of stress and overlaid of load of information now today the biggest part is basically the information overload that has been there on all our mobile phones on our uh, ipads on our television and which is all very very disturbing degrading and putting us into great unrest they can uh, they keep our minds racing and elevate body's arousal uh, system response triggering insomnia people are spending every waking moment getting one last look at their screens the news updates the covid-19 education and their social connections 
Third, the most important, this is true for all the sleep disorders or all kind of insomnias. All these devices, the LED devices and the televisions and everything, they emit what we call as blue light. It is an ultra short wavelength, uh, say, light, which simulates the, uh, say, sun rays to the retina. So it is a signal basically for the brain to stop producing the sleep hormone that is melatonin, which can lead to the trouble falling asleep. So the thing is, if we are exposing ourselves a lot, then we are going to cause problem to ourselves, especially in the later part of the night. It is important to get occupied with, you know, Netflixes, television and other things. But when see the positive, thing, positive things, do not go on basically to find out all the information that is available because it is changing every single day. It is not a constant knowledge and nobody is having a complete knowledge of what is happening to us today. There are no medications, there are no vaccines still now. So what we can reduce is the amount of unnecessary knowledge that we are getting. Now, what can help sleep better during coronavirus outbreak? Create a sleep schedule. The thing is, we have had our good share of sleeping for very long periods in the initial part of the lockdowns. But the thing is, we need our regular sleep of six to nine hours and appropriate and seven to eight in general but we should have the right timing and adequacy of sleep as i described and the timings have to be maintained if we are very very wavered in our timings the internal clock may not remain as the external clock then there should be limited screen time at night turn off your devices once you are on the bed do not go to the bed with your devices on because every single tinkle is a break in sleep even if you put it at the silent mode you still are very, very a small light and you want to see what is coming on it. So please just shut that off and leave your cell phone for charging in the kitchen or at least where you can't reach or you, don't, you are not tempted to look into the COVID-19 updates during the night. Another important issue is find time for yourself. Take an hour before bedtime as me time. That is, this is my time with no electronic engagement. Take a hot bath, shower, play soothing music, try a meditation application and read a book or a magazine again a light reading not very intense heavy or negativistic minimize your naps in the daytime and maximum to the tune of around 30 minutes and that too before 2 pm because the thing is if you are sleeping in the early evening hours your sleep in the night is bound to get affected so try and minimize this kind of a thing and let the normal cycle the normal diurnal variation take its course Try deep breathing or pranayam, which is very much popular with the yoga systems. And it not only dissipates uh, your, uh, say, anxiety and nervousness, and it gives your lungs an intense amount of ventilation. Enhance your sleep environment. By enhancing your sleep environment, everybody has a different requirement. There are no two people who are the same ones. There are people who like, who like to sleep in slightly lit room. There are people who want pitch dark. So choose your ones with a comfortable temperature, with a comfortable lighting and comfortable, uh, say, bed sheets and your mattresses. Gain control over your stress. Try new activities and hobbies while at home. Painting, writing, photography, indoor exercises, watching the videos of exercises and doing at home with, within your confines. Find ways to stay connected with friends and family through a technology. Because this goes a long way. What people do not uh, say no is that if you are a group of people who are getting together you have a sense of uh, you know excitement say starting at a building up around one one and a half hours early and after a, an hour's talk 
it lasts for another two to three hours. So th that way you have engaged yourself for nearly five hours if you are regular with these kind of activities. Structure your day schedule. It is very important that we keep our day schedule structured for the simple reason that if we are going haywire with it, sleeping at odd hours, sleeping in the afternoon, watching late night televisions, everything, our mental clocks will change and when the normal or the so-called uh, new normal will emerge and we have to go back to our work, we'll have to re again realign ourselves to the, and change ourselves, which will be, say, again, a difficult process. So do not let yourself go astray. Structure your sleep, uh, daytime schedule in which you have a commitment like, okay, at this time I'll have my exercise. This is my meal time. This is the time I'll socialize and build uh, this structure in your days. Now there are immunoboosting kind of, uh, say, the food products and uh, which minimize the effects, uh, effects of infection. So first is improve your diet. Your diet should be low on carbs because you're not actively exercising. You're not going, so immediate rise of sugars is not warranted. Take protein high diet with vitamins. Don't compromise on your sleep. Have a full quota of sleep and sleep hygiene to be maintained. Stay hydrated. Hydration helps flush out the toxins from the body and lowers the chances of flu. Alternatives include citrus fruits and coconut water. Don't skip your exercises. Even light exercise will go a long way in releasing the toxins from your body. De-stress yourself. As I've already said with the meditation and deep breathing, avoid smoking, alcohol, and other addictive substances, and avoid unnecessary traveling. Because everybody is like, say, a candidate who can transfer the infection. If it is not very, very important, avoid traveling. Another, the other uh, immunoboosting supplements are vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc. Zinc deficiency often makes one more susceptible to flu, cold, and other viral infections. In our Indian culture, turmeric and garlic have found a place uh, in our kitchens for a very long period. Turmeric basically boosts the immune functions of the body and garlic has a powerful anti-inflammatory and antiviral properties. The tips are like make, uh, again, uh, this is something which I am reiterating because it is important for us to understand that this is really, really important. Make time to unwind yourself. Assign yourself a worry time. Sometimes worrying is not bad because that is something which stimulates us and makes us aware, okay, this is wrong and we should be doing the right practices. So worrying is not always a bad thing. And at this time, worrying a bit is something making you more prudent, more clear about the things. So assign yourself a worry time, but should not go on. Put a pen to your paper. Putting your emotions into words can help you get through stressful periods. Limit your media exposure, as I've already told. The updates should be seen only once or twice a day. As far as I'm, I'm concerned, I've switched out all, of all the news channels right now. I see them once in the, uh, once, uh, in the midday. Because the thing is, it is not going to yield anything. There are a lot of confusion around. A lot of theories are coming. A lot of, uh, say, presumptive medicines are coming, which are changing every the very next day. So whenever we will actually have a medication or a vaccine, world will know and people will use it and they will be much better. Till then, don't burden yourself with this knowledge and do not develop FOMO, that is fear of missing out. In these circumstances, if you are not knowing certain things, you are not missing out on anything at all. 
Remember to breathe, try relaxation techniques. Your bed should be predominantly for sleep. A lot of people go on the bed and toss and turn and keep on waiting for sleep. This is a wrong uh, kind of a methodology. Go to bed only when you're feeling sleepy because bed is not a sleeping pill. Create a healthy sleep environment. We have already told you, avoid nicotine, caffeine, and alcohol as these can make anxiety worse. So coming to the conclusion, there's uh, seven uh, crucial points. Again, they will be uh, say, mentioning the same things slightly in a different way. So how is it affecting our whole body, this COVID-19, our sleep? There's a loss of daily routine. So one of the first victims of the lockdown has been the loss of our daily routine, and thus our regular sleep-wake cycle. While we have enjoyed the opportunity for prolonged naps in the beginning, it can turn into an issue. It is very important that we stick to a daily schedule and maintain a regular sleep-wake cycle. Less physical exertion, but we can do it at home as much as it is possible in the lockdown norms. Avoid excessive consumption of tea and coffee because they are stimulants. They will wreck your sleep. They are detrimental for the sleep and need to limit them. And the last coffee should be around, say, six hours, they say. I can give you the, say, leeway up to four hours. So because they are stimulants, if they are taken, they will rob you of the sleep again. I am bored due to lockdown. That is why I'm drunk. Well, that is not an answer. Believe it or not, alcohol can play havoc with your sleep. And in the long run, besides causing a range of social issues, excessive social media, TV, Netflix, all these things, they are required, certainly required to subvert our attention from the things. We need to see something different. But at the same time, it should be in the right hours. It should not be, say, prolonged into the late night hours for a simple reason. And it should be a positive kind of cinema or uh, the things that you should see because negative Negativity breeds negativity. Another important thing that has affected us is losing, we are losing a sense of purpose. But the most important thing for us would be to stay positive. This too shall pass. This may be a perfect time to inculcate new hobbies or catch on books or explore some other ways of engagement. And last but not the least, uncertainty that is hovering around us and we are facing a degree of anxiety because of that. As we shall be tested again, the things will bounce back because we are tested all the time and we have a capacity to bounce back to normal and we need to build the strength now for it rather than scarred by the current situation. A positive note would always be a positive thing and we will come out of it if we are positive, things are going on, research is going on, if, and if we say take our human body seriously and we do not fight our biology, we are likely to sustain. Well, another quote from Shakespeare to end the situation, I have last two quotes for you. And that was the sleep that knits up the revealed sleeve of care, the death of each day's life. So labors bath, balm of hurt minds, great nature's second course, chief nourisher in life's feast. The man had observed these things far, far back then our scientists started doing it. And I'll finish my presentation with the lovely words from Sir Robert Frost. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, and I have some promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Dr. Sanjay.
thank you dr sanjay for the presentation and uh, you know explaining how, how stress due to the you know uncertain situation created by the pandemic and uh, you know sleep related problems have a bidirectional relationship and also that uh, sleep can build up immunity that is good to know uh, it is interesting to hear about the love hate relationship between the virus and the sleep <laughs> um i hope we can practice some of the um, you know sleep hygiene uh, practices that you that you recommended um you know uh, we would be now uh, starting the q and a but uh, you know which first we would have the questions that uh, people have already asked uh, you know while they registered but meanwhile uh, while i'm uh, getting that uh, slides up there is a question which has just come up from the uh, um, audience now live that's interesting they say that like while you are recommending like 8 hours of uh, sleep the uh, the question is is it okay to have 8 uh, hours of sleep from like say 4 am to 12 noon so which is also 8 hours so is that an acceptable uh, thing because it's for you know for for people who work in shifts or like you know coordinate with the us and so on uh, will have this problem right like if it is a professional problem people do go on these kind of sleeps but this is not a recommended way of sleeping because night was designed for us to go into sleep and day was for working but if it is a professional hazard you are a night shift worker you have to compensate for your sleep any which way and again having said that 8 hours is not a sacrosanct figure it is a kind of a range and everybody is wired differently some people are very very happy with 6 hours of sleep and there are people who do not crash even after 10 hours of sleep because they have an underlying sleep disorder so their sleep is not fulfilling so it is important that you feel say better when you are awake and if you are so we divide the people into larks and owls the larks are the people who are basically functioning at their best in the early morning hours right. and the owls will be so their personality is like that even if uh, you know in a corporate sector when i take my talks especially on the features of when uh, you know we are a 24 hour world and we are working 24 hours uh, say so they should have a tendency to pick up the people who function better during the day and the people who function better during the night rather than forcing everybody into the same kind of a cycle or a grid so it is different for different people yes if you are a person who is working in the night time for you the day time is fine but as a chronological period and as the diurnal variation of the human body it should be that while the darkness is there you should be sleeping and you should be awake during the day time thank you so you know uh, to kick off the q and a discussions uh, from based on what people had asked uh, earlier uh, before we jump into that just wanted to check with you and uh, is india a sleep deprived nations because somewhere i came across this statistic that uh, you know uh, they did a survey of some some 48 or 50 countries and uh, india was number 4 not too far behind uh, some of the uh, leaders like japan or saudi arabia and sweden all just just a few minutes apart from each other yes. so so from from your studies over the last two decades and more what have you uh, observed uh, the thing is basically as a society we are a sleep deprived society as i told you already now coming on to specifically if you are asking for india uh, mind you india is the world capital of call centers the thing is today 
and we have a population which is a young population relatively young population so large number of people are going into those uh, say work schedules where they are working in the night and day sleep cannot replicate the night sleep in any which way because you are sleeping but world is not well when it is night everybody is sleeping so you are working against the clock so you tend to become a sleep deprived uh, say kind of a nation and for that matter today even all the nations are sleep deprived because of the type of work they are doing the goals that they have to achieve uh, the targets they have set for themselves so everybody sleep deprived but yes india being a younger country because a large population is young and a larger larger number uh, are uh, basically into the call centers and working against their timing the natural timings sure so you mentioned that uh, you know people from all countries are uh, sleep deprived so you know therefore those of us in um, singapore so you know this news came out some time back that singaporeans are definitely not sleeping enough we uh, hard working population lacking sleep you know nearly half the population lacks sleeps on weekdays and a quarter of the population lacks sleep even on weekends and that's you know not very favorably compared with the with the us yeah, good moving being, on being, being hard working and being correct now right. this, this 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 area is getting mingled a bit too much right <laughs> you need to think about it that's true that's true uh that's up uh, there was another uh, point that uh, came up i mean you you had uh, Uh, requested people to uh, you know yeah. uh, give a feedback and uh, share this thing if you know q a questions uh, survey question which was essentially the effort sleepiness scale so ess for short so wanted to understand for our, you know for the audience whether they filled it up or not to to understand the scale better so here are some of the questions uh, the thing is what happens is this is one of the scales Hmm. which basically define your uh, sleep deprivation levels okay that is in, in say unaccustomed and normal conditions where we are given a grade from 0 to 3 and if the total of these questions come out to be more than say 5 6 or 7 then we are having some amount of sleep deprivation we may not be having everything and there are a lot of times that we even do not acknowledge it not by say choice but by ignorance a lot of people when we ask leading questions also they'll say no but their partners would say no yes they sleep in the daytime so those things are there you have to ask the questions when we ask the question it has to be from both the the partner as well as the patient because a lot of things they feel that this is normal so once they feel that it is normal they don't take it into account so if considering everything if all these things if we are have a score of say around 7 to 10 then definitely you are suffering with sleep deprivation the causes could be any the causes could be a lifestyle the causes could be insomnia the causes could be other sleep disorders like sleep apnea breaking your sleep causes could be like restless leg syndrome narcolepsy anything but eventually it leads to daytime sleepiness and tiredness so the degree is basically to assess how much sleep deprived you are right and does uh, so normal so so below 5 is acceptable and maybe the below 3 below 7 or 8 is also acceptable depending upon which symptom you are giving precedence to okay there are times when even a single symptom becomes very heavy right 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 so is there an effect of gender and age like the thing is if you look at the various kind of sleep disorders like sleep apnea uh, in the early part of life that is uh, 
say till mid 40s or early 40s it has a higher preponderance for uh, males to have it uh -huh. but as the menopause approaches the ladies also have the same amount of disease and the same amount but and uh, in fact more of the damage to them insomnia is more in women as compared to men because they handle a lot more stress than the uh, say the person who is going out today though the work schedules are like everybody is working but still with the additional responsibilities they are much prone much more prone to stress any any effect of ethnicity um, ethnicity Asians, yeah asian americans europeans like, you know uh, if we are talking about sleep apnea in sleep apnea it is the development of your head and neck especially your lower jaw and its position which right. determines this problem and lot of people feel that snoring and sleep apnea is a problem of obese people while it is not even underweight people can have severe sleep apnea depending on if they have a smaller chin a receding chin basically having a constricted opening at the back so the thing is ethnicity you can say yes it can have a genetic pool for the simple reason there are a group of uh, say population uh, where you can identify that population just by the uh, sheer say facial say shape okay, okay this belongs to this particular population so they have a higher preponderance their family members also have a larger amount of disease but having said that yes uh, not all the things would be in the same pocket sure so yeah so you know uh, you talked uh, at great length about uh, you know stress from covid-19 and the effect on various populations young uh, so uh, you know in from your uh, own practice and whatever is published uh, I, i you know given the limited time period which has passed uh, uh, sleep of which group has suffered the most you know it, young adults it, professionals it is the elderly which has suffered the most post 65 because by that time most of the people do have uh, the comorbid conditions like hypertension like uh, your diabetes like overweight and maybe uh, say some amount some people would having other disorders as well so, uh, and uh, which are leading to uh, diabetes and everything like sleep apnea and everything because the thing is they are likely to have more of this disease and that is one reason that they have become much more easy prey for this particular virus mm -hmm. and as a result if you look at the statistics may whether it was in italy whether it was in Uh, the other areas in china the thing is the elderly population has taken the toll and the other group like in india there there is high number of say people who have developed the infection but they have passed the test easily that is the younger population because we have a young population which is basically feeling very constricted being locked down so they try to move out and everybody is a potential giver of the infection when it is at such a rate it is flourishing at such a rate so they have sub clinical kind of diagnosis and lot of them they take it and they just you know vanish like normal flus as well but they can be contagious to other people right similarly it has been said that if the age difference is huge like grandchildren should not meet the grandparents right. because children have a better immune system and what they can take they can distribute easily but elderly will take it as a disease right right, right. so what of deaths right. have occurred in the elderly area or elderly zone uh, as the world statistics are there right okay so so one of the questions that came up was that like you know uh, people have interrupted sleep 
and they wanted to know like when they wake up in the middle of the night and then how to get back to sleep so this has been asked by a few people and if you have some uh, tips on you know how can they overcome the difficulty like you know midnight 3 am 4 am if they wake up how can they get back to sleep the first and the foremost thing in this particular group is whether it is an episodic thing or it is a regular thing episodic or regular okay the thing is if it is just episodic maybe one or two nights you know like you have some acute kind of uh, stress that has occurred it is fine fine to have it and if it is converted it the problem is when it is happening regularly if it is happening regularly then this is a called disorder of sleep maintenance right. that is you are capable of going into sleep you go into sleep but it is broken easily or then it is difficult for you to go back into sleep so for this we need to understand the total physiology and we need to do a sleep study to find out what is your sleep architecture pattern are you suffering from some condition which is actually breaking your sleep like there is a condition called restless leg syndrome mm-hmm. now this is a syndrome we call also call it as a sleep thief the thing is you are feeling sleepy but you are not able to sleep because of the you know creepy crawly sensation in the back of your legs especially the calf area so these people would be say breaking their sleep then you have sleep apnea right if you have recurrent choking and stoppages of breath you are likely to break your sleep again and again and there are times when you just sit with air hunger for some time on the bed and you know you are fearful of going back into sleep a subconscious mind though you want to take a sleep then those kind of people they start sleeping during while in a sitting posture so the thing is first is that whether it is episodic one or two times that has happened or whether it is something which is happening on a regular basis if on a regular basis you must get yourself investigated and find out the underneath cause and then treat that cause sure so you know uh, snoring disrupts yeah. sleep for many many people like like you know there was a stat about 90 million people uh, you know have being affected so one of the questions that came up was and in fact not one uh, a few um, how to reduce snoring this was also you know uh, someone said that they are doing all the specific breathing exercises regularly but still they have this uh, problem yeah, as i told you uh, a few minutes ago that snoring and sleep apnea stoppages of breath occur in people who have got smaller lower jaw uh-huh. receding chin they have a narrow space at the back and the property of sleep is to relax the musculature so you cannot stop the relaxation of musculature otherwise you are not sleeping right. so the moment you sleep and if there is a narrowing uh, narrowing of the uh, space the tongue falls back and it chokes your throat and this would happen every now and then and can happen about hundreds of times in a single night and at times more than 1 to 2 minutes at a stretch you know a lot of people uh, have their problems their heart attacks their strokes in those times so this is something which is more of a structural thing if you are a grossly obese person or you take alcohol or you take unnecessary medication that can be reduced only but this is only for mild kind of say disease people first thing is to evaluate yourself if you are a mild sleep apneic moderate sleep apneic or a severe sleep apneic when you have around say 5 to 15 stoppages of breath every hour that is considered mild category when it is 15 to 29 or 30 it is moderate category but if there are more than 30 stoppages of breath every hour then it is severe category so depending upon that if you are obese losing weight might help but at the same time i think is we should not discount this and we should go into that that perfect and if required we have to use the breathing aid during sleep 
that is what we call as CPAP, CPAP, that is continuous positive airway pressure systems, to keep the airways open. They act as pneumatic splints to keep the airways open during sleep. Now, the other things are there. There are some surgeries also, but again, they are limited to the milder cases and they also have to be planned very nicely. There are certain dental devices which are available. But at the same time, you must know first the severity of the condition and the face of the person. Only then you can decide that. There is nothing that can reduce the snoring unless you are just having asymptomatic snoring, prove that you are not having sleep apnea and weight loss in such persons can help. Right. So, yeah, and I think, avoidance yeah. of alcohol because alcohol further, it aggravates uh, the, uh, the, you know, it uh, uh, basically relaxes your musculature a lot more. So again, the stoppage is good. Another important thing that you can do is basically it will shut down your brain, which is your wake-up organ. Brain is the thing which wakes you up that, okay, something is wrong with you. The brain is sleeping. So the stoppages of breath will also increase. So anybody who snores a lot should avoid, say, alcohol before the bedtime. Because right. the same is true with the sleep, uh, same, uh, sleeping pills, like any kind of uh, tran uh, tranquilizers, hypnotic sedatives. For the simple reason, people think that it is a bad uh, quality of sleep, they start taking these medications. And they will aggravate not only snoring, but stoppages of breath. So first is to rule out and then go for anything which is correct for you. Right. So I think uh, you already covered sleep apnea with the uh, yes. previous question and so on. So I think I'll move on to the next one. Uh, you did touch upon conducive environment in your in your presentation. Do you want to add anything? Because some of them wanted to know how do they how can they set up something at home to, to fall asleep? You don't uh, need to set up a lot of things at home. Okay. <laughs> your bed have to be comfortable, comfortable right. to you while you lie down on bed. The light, Indian light is something which is, you know, different for different people. There are people who want lights on when they go off to sleep, they have some fear from darkness. Right. Then there are people who want pitch dark areas to go into sleep. They should be relatively cool. They should not be very warm. Except in the winters when you are there, but rest of the things that in normal times, it should be cool, comfortable, dark, and with a good mattress. That should be all. But every individual has got a different requirement that is the best suited to them. So they will right. know that what gives them the best quality of sleep. Right. Someone said that they have to make a lot of effort to fall asleep. I think uh, you are like you mentioned whether it's, uh, you know, occasional or if it's regular, they should probably talk to the doctor and get a better idea. Is that, is that what you had, uh, were talking earlier, referring to that? Uh, you know, someone mentioned that they were having a lot of effort to fall asleep itself. And I think many of the points you had covered in your presentation, why that could be happening and what they should be a good sleep practice, right? Is that correct? I think we, we've covered those, right? Yeah, you can, uh, for the people for whom it is difficult to sleep, uh, we practice certain things what we call as sleep hygiene points. Right. The uh, thing is, and this is, uh, you know, basically reserved for people who are having difficulty in sleep. So the first thing, of course, is go to bed when you're feeling sleepy. Don't go to bed for sleep. Right, right. Because bed is not a sleeping pill. So if you're just tossing and turning in the bed, get out of it. Because right. it is creating a negative feedback cycle inside you. Second is that if, uh, you know, having delayed sleep is your problem, then in that particular case, no matter what time you sleep, you make your wake-up time as common. So right. that the clock will shift back to the original area in due course of time. This is what we call as uh, chronotherapy. That is right. basically, chronologically, it will slowly go, but you have to have some patience with it, but it will help. 
Right. Third is remove any kind of clock that you are having, uh, say, in your room. Because mm -hmm. if you are awake, it will be a natural instinct to see a clock every, say, 10 minutes or so because the rest of the people are sleeping. So remove that. It creates, again, a negative feedback cycle. Right. Then right. your phones, your iPads, your devices should be shut down unless you are in a business or in a, or in a working area which has emergencies like medical professionals, like police people, where they can be called anytime. Apart from that, we should shut it down because all the messages are being recorded. You can see them in the morning and there's no urgency as such. If you want, if you're a television buff, you should stop seeing your television at least 40 minutes before the stipulated sleep time. For the simple reason that, you know, a lot of things happen and if some interesting program is going on, even if you are feeling sleepy, you try to say, okay, I'll finish this one and go off to sleep. By that time, your sleep cycle gets evaporated and next cycle would come around one and a half hours later. So you again feel very distressed. You know, uh, right now I was having it and now I'm not having it again. So just shut it off from that area and sit on a comfortable chair. Listen to some instrumental light music. You can do a good easy reading, not very engrossing one. And once you feel sleepy, you go to the bed. Another important issue is that a lot of people go to gyms in the later part of the evenings, thinking that if we are having a lot of, say, you know, tiredness, we'll sleep better, which is not a right thing. You should have a difference of around three, four hours between your last exercise, heavy exercise and sleep, because for sleep, you need a relaxed body. You don't need a very tired body. Right. And last right. but not the least, you can take a warm shower before bed and that will help you in a long way. Sure. Thanks. Uh, so just a couple of questions were about dreams and uh, that the, why do they get uh, dreams uh, that are unrelated and they can't understand? Uh, well, your dreams understanding that they... of the dreams is still an enigma for everybody, not just <laughs> you. But at the same time, the dreams occur in basically the sleep phase, what we call as REM. REM. That is rapid eye movement sleep. And we also call it as active sleep. Now, in this particular portion, normally in whole sleep architecture, it should not be more than 20% of the total sleep. Okay. But in some cases, this barrier is broken. It goes up to 30, 40, 50%. Now, one, it is distressing. Second is that it is taking or eating up the uh, supply of deep sleep when you get relaxed and your body tissue gets repaired. So both the things are harming you. You are in active sleep. Like if there is a lion in front of you in your dream, your body functions will act as the same manner. Your heart rate will race at the same time. Your perspiration would be the same kind as you are seeing in the light uh, daytime. So the thing is, if it is more than the normal, more than say 15 to 20% of sleep time, then you need to take some medication to basically bring it down and convert it into the slow, uh, slow wave or the deep part of the sleep. Right. So, you know, um, we have uh, some business owners here in the audience. We have some uh, senior managers who, you know, uh, who have a lot of people working for them. Um, so we know that, uh, you know, from a business standpoint, also that lack of sleep costs, you know, uh, a lot of productivity loss for the country, uh, loss in GDP. So do you have a message for business owners and senior managers as to what good practices they should have in their companies to encourage their staff to have good sleep habits? I mean, you have, uh, you know, 
emphasized and elaborated on what are the good sleep habits. But the question here is like, you know, you probably tell the corporates maybe like guys introduce some things like this so that uh, so uh, so that your uh, employees have good sleep habits. So what are the things that you would recommend to, to now, such people? You know, I just had said in the initial this thing that you can win many battles and win the wars. But if you fight with the human biology, you are likely to lose the battle. The first thing is to appreciate everybody's time. That is a very, very important thing. And to appreciate everybody's body physiology because they are not from a different planet. They are from the same planet and they need as much. So there should be fixed timings of, a lot of people are working from home today. So presuming that everybody is free, the time scales have taken a beating. You can right. call anytime, you can send a message anytime, and anybody who is a responsible person will try to revert at the same time. Right. What is happening is unless you know the managers, the bigger managers, they appreciate the limitations of this, uh, it will not be possible. Because by the end of the day, you need your employee to be well rested so that we can do a great job for you. And this is the onus on us or the managers, uh, basically, to ensure that they get their proper sleep, they get their this thing, unless it is once in a while it is of something which is very, very great importance or great importance to them, fine enough. But let's not make it a kind of a thing that you can ask this thing anytime. So if you appreciate their physiology, it will be to your effect only, their productivity will increase, their manners will increase, their efficiency will increase and the losses that we are talking of, they will go down. Right. Great. So let's, let's take some of the um, questions which have come up on the Q&A. Uh, so there was a specific question that uh, I wake up after sleeping for about four hours, either due to snoring or my tongue is pushed up against the upper palate. I'm breathing right. well. That is the person is having sleep apnea. He must yeah. be himself investigated for that and well, take yeah. a treatment. He will be fine within no time. Yeah. Okay. Great. So the other question was, uh, is Kindle device, which they say is friendly for the eyes, can it be taken to the bed? I mean, you had mentioned that all the electronic devices Why do you have, want uh, to take a thing to the bed? <laughs> you leave the thing outside and go to the bed when you are feeling sleepy. Right, 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 right. Uh, sleep requirement uh, increase with age? I thought you mentioned it decreases with age, right? No, it doesn't de decrease. The only thing is when people are retired, right. the thing is they don't have that consolidated kind of six or seven or eight hours of sleep. They right. sleep a bit fragmented. One right. is their sense of uh, loss of purpose, which basically instigates this kind of a lifestyle. Mm. If you have seen the people who have maintained themselves in a working posture, even after their retirement, they do not suffer with this kind of a thing. It is only the people who have retired means retired means retired mm -hmm. and who are at home all the time. So they'll take their nap off and on at any given time. So consolidated sleep will take its course and they will do it. But at the same time, yes, it will not be, it will not be a straight kind of a sleep pattern case, six hours, eight hours, nine, uh, nine hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. It will be dissociated into different zones. Mm -hmm. So here, here's a question. Um, which says that uh, this is uh, from a parent. My nine-year-old has a question. Why do they feel more sleepy at the time of getting up in the morning? 
and not feel like going to bed at night well the thing is it is the artificial light which has promoted this culture today most of the parents themselves are sleeping at 12:30 in the night or maybe uh, in the morning or one and with their either their work profile or their lifestyles mm-hmm. so children emulate the same thing and if the light is on and you are also awake they have that tendency to imbibe and that becomes their second nature like the thing is if in the olden times when you did not have that much of uh, electricity i think if the evening has come people were bound to think now it is time to sleep right today you do not so right. and this over a period of time becomes your new clock right so if you are sleeping late you are likely to rise up late and you feel right. very tired groggy when you get up in the morning if you remember in the olden times the schools used to start at 9ish correct and today the children at least in india they are going to school they are ready for the school at 6:30 in the morning now oh, it's true in singapore too the yeah. thing is what is happening oh, is we are, we are depriving them of their sleep we are actually depriving of them of their sleep thinking that it doesn't matter but it matters a lot it matters in the consolidation of their nature in the consolidation of their memory the thing is yes we have a lot of things uh, available to us as aids teaching aids and you know all kind of things but having said that our natural course is being interfered right so there's another interesting question is there something that we we should learn from nordic countries you know countries in the arctic circle scandinavian countries uh, where they have like you know very long days and long nights uh, in, a, in a given do, year do so is there something that we could learn from them we can't learn from them anything they are in a bad state actually <laughs> Mm. every house has got triple curtains over there i've been okay. to finland extensively okay the thing is the day is so long that even at one in the night you can see a blue sky occasionally i've seen a 24 hours day also mm. on 22nd of june over there mm. Mm. so the thing is basically they have to time it okay now this is pm and we have to go to sleep they have triple curtains so that no light comes out we we can't learn from them they are in a position which is naturally not a very gifted position but mm-hmm. well they have you know cultivated good uh, habits right. so that they can be you know working fresh in so called the daytime the actual daytime that was it's supposed to be because they have a period when they have prolonged darkness mm-hmm. and they have a period when they have prolonged uh, say day so both the things are not very easy it's very gloomy at times and you need to get accustomed acclimatized to it in a very very different manner right. so we 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 can't learn much from them except their discipline right right so one of the questions was uh, would sleeping on the side uh, help sleep apnea not always not okay. necessarily it will depend upon the caliber of uh, your uh, the the the, the retroposition of your say tongue if it is narrow and it is severe whenever whichever position you want but there are people who are positional sleep apneics like they have sleep apnea when they are lying supine at the back and they have little less kind of thing on their lateral side but having said that you cannot monitor yourself throughout the night that which phase you are going to sleep in if there is a problem needs to be addressed right here someone uh, 
describe some symptoms. Obviously, you know, can't be diagnosed on a webinar, but the, the description reads like this. Uh, I do get sleep interruption after a few hours. I feel I have uh, clutched my teeth. In the morning, I feel the tightness in the jaw or get headache. Is this due yeah. to sleep apnea or stress? <laughs> How can I overcome it? This, this condition is called bruxism. Basically, teeth grinding. Mm -hmm. These people, if you look at their teeth over a period of time, they have got a bit, you know, smaller and mm -hmm. chiseled basically over a period of time. And mm -hmm. this is one of the features of obstructive sleep apnea. Again, the thing is that if you have it, diagnose it, get treated, you'll be fine. Right, right. So there's another question that like, you know, saying uh, over-the-counter melatonin is uh, harmless. Do you recommend taking melatonin on a regular basis? That's the thing uh, is basically anything, any chemical preparation is never totally harmless. Mm -hmm. It always has a potential of a harm. Mm -hmm. If you do not require it, don't take it. Medications are, you don't even take sweets without reasons. If you take it, you know, this is going to have adverse effect over a period of time. If your body is making, if your body physiology is doing good to you, you don't need to take anything. And if you are to take the melatonin, normally it is reserved for basically, uh, you know, when you have jet lags mm. or the day and night differences. This is generally reserved for that. But having said that, yes, it can be used as a sleeping pill, or, but more as a modifying pill, sleep modifying pill that you go to sleep early so that you can rise, uh, you know, correctly for the next day. But taking on a regular basis is not harmless totally. Any chemical composition is not totally harmless. Right. So just for the sake of taking it should not be requirement. If it is there, why not? Right. So while that is, you know, not to take regular, you know, any chemicals, but there's also a related question about, uh, you know, the uh, things that we recommend and take in from Ayurvedic or from Indian practices. This is yeah. about drinking warm milk with turmeric, with pepper, high sugar or honey and so on. If you take it regularly, are there any side effects is, is, is one of the questions. Look, look, if you are not having, uh, say, diabetes, you can take honey. There's no problem. We mm -hmm. stop only those people who are having underneath and underlying diseases. Mm -hmm. As far as turmeric is concerned, they are they have their healing property. That is why we put it in all our vegetables when we make them. Mm -hmm. And so is with the ginger and so is with the garlic. Right. So all these things are a part of our kitchen, right. general kitchens. So that that is something which has been inculcated over a period of time and has stood the test of the time. But purely as a medicine, we don't take it. We take it as supplements. Right. And similarly, the thing is, they do not have any long-term effect, uh, effect unless you have a bit too much of it. Again, right. having too much of it again will have adverse effects, but the quantity in which we take into our vegetables doesn't mm -hmm. matter. It's just right. fine. And if they mix it with milk and drink it uh, a dose a day or something like that, turmeric, haldi, you know, uh, haldi, like, you know, mix it with, uh, that's, that's all fine, right? Once a day or something. I told you, it has got a property of anti-inflammatory kind of a thing. Sure. So the thing is, if you have an acute injury in the olden, good olden days, we used to have milk with the turmeric inside it. And uh, that used to help. And it still does help. Right. But it's not that it doesn't, but having taken the allopathic a bit too far, we are physicians, the thing is, we have lost touch with the basics. Right, right. But, so, still that is promoted, yes, but they do have their good quality effects. Correct. 
yeah so the the you know there's a question about uh, you know you had recommended 7 to 8 hours of uh, sleep is it for everyone or is it uh, you know is it a general guideline and uh, anybody who sleeps less for example elderly sleep less is it considered to be uh, you know sleep deprivation or how does it fit no i told you as far as elderly is concerned if the person is a retired person he has a different pattern altogether they complete their sleep any which way hmm in a fragmented portions or otherwise right that is uh, uh, the first part uh, you said was uh, what was the first part you said the whether the 7 to 8 hours is is a you know so for everybody or it's for the sacrosanct figure yeah the thing is you have different requirements correct there are people like the people who regularly practice meditation their sleep requirement goes down by 2 hours wow they can they can they, these are experiments which have been done in uh, all the western institutes right is not something which is uh, today just to say it you mm. can have a proof of it mm. so the only thing is that if you are having these kind of uh, activities if you are doing pranayama and this thing when the stress level is less then your uh, effectiveness of your sleep goes high and your requirement comes down right so those not, people can have less sleep 5 yeah, hours or whatever there are a lot right. of yogis who sleep for 4 hours right but the thing is this is not a prescribable norm right Right. For a normal person, it remains as that. Only six to eight hours of sleep is essential. And if somebody asks me, what is the criteria for good sleep? The very simple answer is that if your day is good, your night was good. Okay, that's that's an interesting way of uh, looking at it. Yeah. And there's one uh, question based on modern living. Uh, do you advise sleeping with the air conditioner on? Well, that depends upon the amount of heat. If you are having a 43 degrees temperature outside your home. who will not like to have a better quality <laughs> and sleep the thing is there's no harm with it if you are right. sensitive everybody has got a different sensitivity some right. people cannot take cold air right. they have cold air allergy mm. if they if you are one of those that's a separate issue altogether mm-hmm. but sleeping with it is no problem right right wonderful uh, i think we had a very lively uh, q and a uh, friends uh, a fun fact before i wrap up the session You know, I grew up hearing that uh, computers can work tirelessly, algorithms, and so you know now artificial intelligence can process round the clock. Looks like AI also needs sleep. I'm not joking. Researchers at uh, Los Alamos National Laboratory in the U.S. discovered that artificial intelligence, designed to function like humans, experienced benefits that were equivalent. of a good night's rest which means even ai needs sleep let that thought sink in this research paper is going to be presented only tomorrow 14th june so you heard it here first <laughs> please join me in thanking dr sanjay manchanda for the insights on uh, sleep and its importance during these uh, times of crisis and pandemic uh that he shared with us various insights as well as uh, good uh, practices yeah, hygiene practices the credit for bringing dr sanjay's expertise to you all goes to my friend mrigank who is the co-host and who actually worked tirelessly from behind the scene to make this webinar a success he also arranged to record the webinar so in a few days time he'll also send you a link to the recordings so some of you have asked this in the uh, questions whether we will get a recording yes sure he has uh, made arrangements for that 
Dr. Sanjay has kindly consented to share his contact details. You can see them on the screen now. And uh, we plan to bring more such experts from different walks of life, uh, lives to you. So please do stay in touch and please join us in subsequent webinars. Again, a big thanks to Dr. Sanjay Manchanda. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you.